It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. We're here again. It's me, VA, and Jeff, and Tim, and we're here to talk about the Bruins. So this team, right, guys? You guys are supposed to say hi. Hi! This team, huh? They're very good. (laughs) I love it when you guys play along. Yeah, this team is doing really well. What are they? They're in a 19-game point streak. Yes. Some overtime losses in there, but generally win, 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 win. You got to go back to the game that Rask got um, injured by um, uh, Cheadle. For the last uh, Bruins regulation win. Loot loss, rather. So that's January 19th. Interesting. That's the second time that's come up today. Talking about Cheadle taking out Rask. Because I, I was trying to figure out which game it was that he got knocked out of. But yeah, that was the last regulation loss. For the bye week and um, uh, um, All-Star game. They haven't uh, lost in regulation since before the All-Star game. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. And Rask himself hasn't lost in regulation, not counting that game, because, of course, he didn't finish it since December 29th. That's correct. I actually have a note on that. Basically, Tuca, before the Winter Classic, was 9-8-2. and two. And after the Winter Classic, he has been 15-0-3. That does not include the game that he was knocked out of. He, there was no decision on his part there. But, yeah, the, he is 24-8-5. So... That's pretty amazing because he was he was not that great before the Winter Classic, but it seems like the new year was a new Tuca. New year, new Tuca. Like seriously, though, right? Right? I mean, so that is a, a killer run. Yes. And I hope it continues. Well, it's not going to continue tonight because it's Halak. Halak is, is in net against the Penguins because it was a back-to-back weekend. And we have two good goalies. Yes, we do. They have with respective 9-2-1 and 9-2-4 save percentages. Okay, so 921, is that Tuca? That's Tuca, yeah. yes. Okay, and 924 is Halak. Just wanted to get it out there. But anyway, I think it's just stupid at this point if you still just hate Tuca Rask because Tuca's doing fine. He's making some great saves. He lets in some, some goals and he lets in some dumb goals. But you know what? It's not just all about Tuca. It's about the team. And it's how about how the team is also responding to everything because secondary scoring is happening. It is happening. It's some uh, maybe not quite what we hoped for, but we're spreading the wealth here. You know, the fourth line has been absolute on fire of late. Oh, it has, and we'll continue. It's been full time since they moved Charlie to center and Corrali to left wing, really, or right wing, whichever wing he's playing on. I can't keep track of these things. I think he's right wing, and I knew that my boy was a good center all along, and my other boy can also play center if he needs to. And the mayor of Walpole, who we'll talk about a little bit more in, in depth in a little while. Wow. Yeah, that, that whole fourth line is just so much crash and bang. It is objectively better than, than classic 2010-2011 Merlot line was. It is. A lot. A lot better. They're being deployed as first line in the game. They start the game in many instances. Yeah, just set the tone for the chaos that's to come. And they are relentless. They're terriers. <laughs> yes, they are. I know that none of them went to BU, but their nope. tenacity on the puck and their tenacity to get down into the offensive zone and to make the hits that they need to do, to block the shots that they do. I mean, poor Nolachari with that mouth. Uh, he didn't really block a shot so much as the shot blocked him. But anyway, the point is this. All the stuff that they do 
is amazing. It's it's it feels like it's more than you would expect your fourth line to do, but who cares? Just do it. I think Ty Anderson this week said that this team was like everybody's bought in and it's even more exciting than last year. Well, and I think that that's what the thing that's really caught on from this fourth line is is that tenacity, right? Mm-hmm. Like this team is fiercely clawing back. Hey, I clawed back. What's that? Three games this week that they won, that they won despite being down by um, at least one, if not two goals. Okay, so that was Carolina, Florida, and Ottawa. Right. I mean that that Carolina game. It was that was frustrating. Because it was like they went down to nothing and it was all like Sebastian Ajo. It's the Sebastian Ajo show. And it was like, no! I want to say that they were talking about it yesterday that the Bruins have come back in at least like nine of the games in this points greed. They're showing the ability that playing from ahead, playing from behind doesn't really matter as long as they're playing. Think about how this team was like two, well, not two seasons ago, but three seasons ago. They couldn't do this. Oh, you put them behind, they'd be over. Yeah. So many games. So many games. Yeah. So glad that Bruce Cassidy's here. He's got a, a different style of hockey and he's more willing to make changes when he needs to. And he makes them on the fly. You know, last night he had to shorten the bench. Shorten the bench. He'll put his lines in absolute blenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Wagner playing the Mayor Walpole playing with Bergie and Marshy. It worked out. Yeah, we got two goals out of uh, Bergeron plus Wagner plus others on the ice. One was shorthanded. Marshan Marshan was not available at the time. But yeah, just just tenacious. And he's he's just chaos. Mm-hmm. Like the teams have to do all sorts of planning to have a hope of dealing with Bergie and Marshy. And like when you're watching them play a weak team like that, it is an absolute clinic watching them make plays. Smarter than everyone else on the ice every night. <laughs> but then Wagner's just chaos. He's got 11 goals. Yeah, see, yeah. You, roll, you throw Wagner out with there with them. Teams can't plan for that. It's hard enough to plan for Bergie and Marshy 1-2. You put someone that, you put someone who's just, uh, you know, recklessly engaged. Honestly, you're not going to have a lot of hope there. That's not a sustainable arrangement. I'm not advocating for Wagner first-line right wing at a, at a long-term basis. But In the middle of a game when you're trying to get ahead or at least tie up, sure, why not? Oh, exactly. Just throw a grenade, throw a grenade at the other team's game plan. Yep, yep. Now, what is the alignment of Chris Wagner? Is he chaotic good? Is he chaotic neutral? Is he chaotic evil? <laughs> nah, he's not evil. I mean, Brad's chaotic evil, let's face that. But uh, <laughs> at, least, at least within the span, span of the Bruins, uh, of, of the Bruins Overton window here, I think Kent Wagner would be chaotic good. Okay. Because, uh, you know, I just want to say that the, the, the video of Brad saying hi to his daughter behind the glass last night with her, her Marchand jersey that had the 63, but it said daddy on it. Uh, that makes me think he's not chaotic evil off the ice. I know he's not. Oh, he's a good guy. I, I, we know he's not, yeah. I mean, chaotic neutral would probably be Rask. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I can't, I can't get that out of my head, how he was like, uh, when they were like, oh, how are you going to address this losing streak? And he's like, guess it's good we're facing Washington this weekend, huh? <laughs> Again, chaotic neutral. Chaotic neutral, that's <laughs> fucking won the game in a shutout. <laughs> First, I would say David Krejci's our lawful neutral. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate, isn't it? It is. It is. And, and that, I think, is why it's so hard to 
figure out in some ways exactly how good he is on the ice. Lawful neutral is even more even blanker than neutral than true neutral, right? So. <laughs> yeah, I tend to think that I'm a lawful neutral person. I tend to think that I could be completely wrong, but yeah, I, I can understand that. What is Bergie? Lawful good. Bergie's lawful good. Yeah, obviously lawful good. Now I'm not sure who would be our um uh, our, our our lawful evil though. I always find lawful evil to be so bizarre because lawful evil is so Republican. It's like Bobby Ryan, but he's not on our team. <laughs> no, he's not lawful. He's a dirty player. <laughs> yeah, I'm having, I'm having trouble with lawful evil here. Uh, 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 based on the hit that I saw last night, Jacob Voracek. <laughs> So we're not so we're continuing to not come up with a lawful with a lawful evil Bruin, which is probably good because lawful evil is the um uh, is the most bone chillingly awful um uh, <laughs> alignment again because it's extremely Republican. It's just it's one of those things where it's like for me it's really hard to wrap my mind around the concept in the first place because the, the whole idea is like lawful evil would be Dick Cheney. Oh God! All right, let's just say we don't have one. You don't have to have an alignment, all, all the alignments. <laughs> I want our guys to be good and just. And sometimes they aren't both or either. But I don't want to think about that too much. Anyway, so this week, we also learned some other stuff about David Backus and how he's being deployed in games now. And it's uh, it set off a lot of pearl, uh, pearl clutching and not really without reason. There are the people who are concerned about his medical history with concussions. And he said that that it wasn't something that they needed to worry about. Well, they're still freaked out about one thing he said there. Well, I guess we should back up. We should back up a bit, right? Before we actually start discuss- discussing it, we should say what it is. So David Backus basically said that after his uh, his heart-to-heart with, um, um, with Cassidy is that they agreed that the way he was going to continue to uh, contribute was... Uh, more as an enforcer. More, be more of an enforcer, exactly, you know, uh hit things, both with his fists and with his shoulders, you know. Okay, Lee didn't fight the last two games, but he has three fights in his last six games. And a lot of people are upset about that because they're concerned about his concussion history. Yep. Which is fair. It's very fair. Plus, there's also the question of, okay, do you really need someone doing this and do you really need them being paid $6 million? However, that last point, not really a fixable situation at present, so we'll, we'll, we'll table that, the, the dollar amount thing. It reminds me a lot of the Milan Lucci situation. Yeah. Because if Lucic were on this team right now, he wouldn't be a top or a second liner. You know that. And he'd be paying, he'd be paid $6 million. He'd probably be on the third line and he'd probably be just using his fists a lot more. That's exactly it. So everybody who's saying we want Elon Lucic, well, you got David Backus and his charity works better. You got Lucic, you got the same thing, but for four more years rather than two. Yeah. Yeah. Even I've come around to thinking, okay, that, that contract's terrible. I love David Backus. I do. Look, I worry about his concussions, but I'm, they, they really know how they want to use him now. And that, I think, is a good thing. Whether or not it's needed, I think it's a game-by-game basis. Well, that's just it. Bruins are one of the smaller teams. Honestly, that's possibly one of the things working for us right now. But it also means this team gets muscled. In addition just to sheer overpowering and skill, that was a big part of why this team lost against uh, Tampa in, 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 the, uh, in the conference semis last year. It's because they were getting pushed all around by that Paquette Callahan um, Kunitz line. 
Yep. People don't like but it's like the fact of the matter is I'm not saying they need to play big, but like the lightning bullied the Bruins last year. This is this is not even controversial, I don't think. I think everyone agrees that that happened. It's just people seem to have forgotten to talk about it. I think there's a difference between playing big and playing like big bad Bruins. Right? Yes. Okay. So you can play big without mo- using your fists. Krug and Marshawn and Marshawn play play four both of them play so much bigger than they are. It's one of the more underrated things about Krug's game is he plays like a much larger man than he is. <laughs> you don't want to be hit by Atari. Well, he's he's you know, he's not a tall guy, but he's built like a bus. So. Right. <laughs> right, right. So I'm just saying, you can play big and you can even play bigger than you are in stature, but you, you can play big without necessarily being a brute, right? Yes. And that's what we want. We want we, we want the speed. We want the, the mobility. We want to have the puck movement and all that stuff. And that comes with speed and, and certain abilities. But we also want to have those people who are just like, that want to remind the other team, you can't push us around. That's what we want, right? Now, exactly. Now you don't want $6 million dealing with that obligation on the team. This is true. I get that. But I would also prefer to trade trade a relevant, a low-minute winger in the situation of a fight than a Chara or, when he gets back, a Kevin Miller. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, we got no choice but to play Bacchus. We can get some value out of him this way, then so be it. They really appreciate Bacchus's leadership ability. It must be killing everybody, including Bacchus, that he's just not performing as well, that he he's basically, you know, last year it was his body breaking down. This year is just like, it seems like his skill is breaking down along with that. So yes. basically, he they want his leadership. They don't want to completely disenfranchise them, but they, uh, him, but they also realize that this agreement is not working out as well as they would like. So find a new role. And if he's uh, amenable to it, which is what he is, because they had a heart-to-heart over beers in Vegas, which I would love to have been there to see that. You oh, know? yeah, definitely want to be a fly on that wall. Right. I, Bacchus is a smart guy. He knows what's going on. He knows that everything's disappointing about his play. I bet you he feels terrible about it. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? If he's not tradable, and the trade deadline's passed anyway, if he's not tradable and you're going to be paying the money, you've got two options. You don't play him, or actually more than two options. You, you don't play him, you send him down to Providence, or basically you put him on Robita Island. Now, yeah. those are the options for not playing him here, right? So why don't you try to get some kind of value out of him? And if that value is something like he's going to be an enforcer type, it's not too much of a shift from being a power forward. He's just using his power in a different way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, though. One thing that this is one thing that's kind of bugged me about, about Bacchus in general is that he was, you know, uh, a fringe Selkie candidate repeatedly when he was still with St. Louis. With his pace, he should still be able to be a solid penalty killer, and he doesn't play much in particularly big penalty kill minutes. Nope. Honestly, that might annoy me more than anything else because that's something that should survive him breaking down. Mm-hmm. Like, even Adam McQuaid's still a really good penalty killer. It's really the only thing Adam McQuaid brings to a team at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't tell you what's what's going on there. But I do know this. I, I know that the uh, the Bruins do employ a sports psychologist, so I wonder if if he could use that service because maybe is it a fact that his his uh, his body's breaking down a little bit and his skill is going with it, or is it just like he he needs a little bit of a confidence boost that uh, that only therapy can kind of help? 
You know, this week you, you were talking about, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jesse Gabrielle, who's down in the ECHL, right? And doing not well. His edit, yeah. yeah this, is after, not. This, this is after being told not to bother coming to Bruins camp. When I remember there were players who were on ECHL, ECHL contracts who were invited to camp. And he was told not to bother coming. And, and I'm going to tell you that that's got to fuck with your mind. Yeah. I didn't chime in in that conversation because I, I just felt like everything I was going to say would be, well, I, I, I didn't feel like it would be helpful in that conversation. But I will tell you, though, that I think that there is a certain amount of confidence that you build from this apprenticeship of hockey. You know, these people have played hockey their whole lives. They've gone through all these systems. So basically, there's a certain amount of confidence that they have. But they don't always have these like roadblocks, these uh, these obstacles that they face. As you increase in your league affiliation, you have more more problems that pop up because like, you know, maybe you're just your straight up talent doesn't do it. You've got to have a little more tenacity. You've got to work at it harder or something. I think that it's very true. These we're talking about people who are hockey players. So imagine being told not to come to Bruins camp. You had just dealt with an injury, but you're told not to come to Bruins camp. And then you're down in Atlanta. You're not even in Providence. And then Atlanta doesn't want you. So you end up in a complete playing for a, for an ECHL team outside of our league. You end up in, you end up in Kansas in Wichita. Oh my God. I mean, that's got to mess with a kid's brain. I mean, how old is he? Like 22? Jesse Gabriel is 21. Oh God. Now he has time to claw back. He has one more year on ZLC after this year, but like, it don't look good. And this has scored over 40 goals in the dub the year, his draft plus one year. Look, I'm just saying that there is a value and a benefit to, to that. I mean, these guys are not invulnerable. Well, it's just that getting cuts is going to hurt you. It's what a, how that conversation started, of course, that I was pointing out that I um, uh, was wondering how often a team gets this close to losing the rights on CHL drafted players, to say June 1st, two years after their draft. Bruins have not yet signed a um, uh, 2017 fifth-round pick um, Cedric Perret or, or, or 2017 um, uh, seventh-round pick Dan- Dan- Daniel Bukash yet. Daniel Bukash. So both of them would go back into the draft on June 1st if they, if they go unsigned. I was wondering how often player you get this close to losing the rights without signing the pl- and and still manage to sign the players because I remember Douglas Brown did a little quick scan of that for players who are approaching UFA for example it wasn't good mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be different with prospects but still right right anyway so that sort of started there and the reason we got into this is of course Bukash was uh, drafted out of the WHL um, with uh, Brand- the Brandon Wheat Kings his draft plus one year he missed a bunch of injuries and stuff and then got cut. And then uh, signed on in the OHL, so we switched CHL leagues. Ooh. Signing on with the OHL and the Ice Dogs in his draft plus two year this season. It's fine. Not great. I mean, he's a defenseman, but 15 and 50 and, uh, in your draft plus two year in, in CHL is not a, good, not a great look. Mm. And it reminded me of another player that the Bruins had drafted out of the OHL that uh, the next season they got cut and sent down to Junior A. Oh, wow. Yeah, this, was, uh, this would have been... Um, uh, Mitch Dempsey, who was the seventh round pick in um, uh, 2013. So he got sent down to Junior A the next year and then ended up getting released, ended up in the queue. I did see him play once in the queue in his draft plus two year. And you can see there wasn't a lot of good there, but he wasn't bad. Mm. Rose didn't sign him, though. So I think that's an important sign to read there that Kosh got cut by his dub team. I don't know. Anyway, not really sure where I'm going that. That's how we got talking about Gabriel as well. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is this. 
I don't think it's necessarily talent or skill level or even ability there. I think something's messing with his mind. I really do. You get shoved down that far, you're uh, you're looking at at someone who's been being written off, and it's probably almost entirely off ice behavioral attitude stuff. Because you really think they're going to also obviously give up on someone if it's a talent thing. If they're willing to work at it, they're going to keep grinding away at it. Right. I think there's one of those things where it's like, yes, I'm I'm speculating, but I think that there's a benefit to these things, and I and I hope that players seek these things out because you know, Bacchus is. He's what he's only a year older than than Bergy. I know that they're different players, but you know. Yeah, they're they're the same draft, different ends of the age range, but I, uh, yeah. He shouldn't have this precipitous decline like this. That's all. But it, the good thing is, is that he's got a role. We may all hate the fact that he's getting paid a lot of money for that role right now, but it is what it is, and you either get over it or you don't. I'm not personally paying his money right now so i'm not going to be offended by it but could they use six million dollars next year in a different way sure i don't mind getting the value from him just because i think there's something to be said for va which you were talking about maybe it's something mental i mean he hasn't scored a goal since january 17th and he only has two points since then that's got away on someone that, that shootout winner well yeah he had the shootout winner yeah, that was great. But, like, that's got to weigh on someone who's not used to being a fourth-line guy who doesn't score points. Well, he's part of that third line that doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, now, actually, one thing I wanted to come back to, too, is he said he's not concerned about concussions. Maybe it's because he feels like he has more control over that than getting hit. Well, here's the thing is he said, I mean, he's basically saying it's like it's not really the same as, you know, getting elbowed in the head or something like that. And he's dead fucking on. I've been on, on the point all along that uh, that that, that, hockey, that that fighting and concussion crisis are mutually exclusive issues. Yeah, they, they are. They are. The only time that I worry about a fight is when it goes down to the ice. Yes. And if somebody yeah. decides to keep throwing punches, that's the only time. Or if someone get or if someone gets cold clocked and just drops. Like um, right. uh, I think George Arrows had that happen and that was basically the end of his career. It's awful. It's awful. You don't want to see that stuff. You see that that, that clip this week of a of a guy in I don't even know what hockey league it was. Basically used an MMA move on a guy and then knocked him down, you know, brought him down to the ice and kept punching. His team suspended him. Wow. It's Eesh. not a good thing. You don't do that shit. There, you know, we don't. Uh, whether or not you believe in a code on the ice, that's the kind of stuff that you don't do, right? You want to fight somebody, you just don't do that. So that's, that's that guy aligned into true evil. Okay, there you go. Uh, oh, by the way, um, this has nothing to do with anything. I just thought of it. Uh, remember how we were talking about jersey numbers last time? Patrice mm-hmm. Bergeron wore thirty-seven in a Cadiz Berthers. And it's retired. It's retired. They've retired a bunch of numbers. Like Roberto Luongo's number one is retired. Well, they're, they're all all those guys. Like all of their like retired numbers stuff. A bunch of them are are part of the ownership group too, right? Like Berkey and Luongo. Berkey and Luongo. Uh, Luongo are both minority owners of uh, of a cat of, of of the of the town. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that about Bergie. He's always interested in, in business, but he's doing that. I mean, it's, it's a tiny percentages, right? Like all the play, former players combined are not a big percentage, so each of them holds uh, you know, only a couple percent of the team. But Mike Bossy, his number's retired. I didn't even know he played for them. 
I don't know very much about Mike Bossy, but I was like, wow, these names, all these names I've heard of. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out. I knew it. I was correct. I'm so rarely right. <laughs> you know who we should talk about right now? Let's talk about the mayor of Walpole. Chris fucking Wagner, eh? Yeah, I'm, I am totally going to make a sash. I'm going to make a sash that says Mayor Walpole, and I really hope he gets it and he wears it. I don't know how to make the sash, but it doesn't look like it's too hard. It's just, it's a lot of sewing of letters and stuff like that in corners. But God damn it, I want to make him one. Okay, so he's scored 11 goals, which is his highest total ever per year. Um, and he, he, he eclipsed that like a few weeks back with some other goals. I think, I think with his eighth goal, it was like more than he'd ever scored. So that's fantastic. He's on that fourth line with his good buddies, Pride of Rhode Island and Sean Corrali, Pride of Dublin, Ohio. Each of them are respective mayors of their, their cities, apparently. But anyway, he's on that line. Also, already the, mo- already the most games he's played in a season this year. Really? Oh, no, no. Sorry, that's not true. Last year, last year he could he. I'm wrong there. Actually, he played 79 games last year because it has his team it has his team his games played with Anaheim and his game play, games played with the Islanders broken out. But uh, right, they, they often do that. Wow, he is having a career year, and that was a pickup that we didn't quite understand. We understood it more than the Nordstrom uh, signing, and I still understand it more than the Nordstrom signing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's been. Like sneaky good, like apparently, like Sweeney's like got this master class for finding some local, for finding an, an anonymous fringe NHL local boy and turning them into a great fourth line wing. First it was the professor, and now the mayor. <laughs> the professor? Just saying the doctor felt weird to me, so I thought maybe it would pivot, but Doctor Schaller. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So now we just need a skipper. <laughs> maybe oh, Marianne. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so what I'm saying is Bruins fans, maybe we should maybe we should all prepare ourselves to watch for some for some Boston area fringe NHLer who's going UFA at the end of next year. And pick him up. Because like I meant that this is the guy we're going to sign because if Wagner keeps playing like this, he's going to cost too much for the Bruins to re-sign him for what for what they want from him. Let someone else regret that choice, like say, oh, the Canucks and Schaller and his 1.9 million a year. Ah, uh, Timmy. I love Tim Schaller, but holy crap, oh. what were the- that they paid him a lot to go to, to, to go there. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's like it. God, it's like so many times it is just about who you are playing with, isn't it? You know, like it, it, we assume that hockey players are like Legos, and that we can take them out of one set and put them in another set, and and they're going to work perfectly. But you know, they might just look a little strange doing it at first, but then it's fine. They're not like that. Some of them really rely on, you know, who they're playing with. So Schaller, uh, Schaller looked great on that fourth line. It was so fun last year. Now it's, well, he's off in Canuck land and he's making good money, I guess. So, so Chris Wagner has even managed to find his way up onto the top line, as we mentioned before, for certain situations and games. And he's earned that ability and I think it's great. Good for him. I didn't expect as much from him as, as he's providing this year. Uh, that fourth line somehow is even better and more fun this year than it's been even last year. Uh, I love it. He's totally... I, 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 it's just, just, just rolling chaos. Just like, go out there and call some shit, boys. Yeah. <laughs> and um, one of the funny things that I, I love about it is that uh, even other players, like uh, I, I think I mentioned the other 
um, podcast how Charlie Coyle was introducing some kids that were in the room to uh, Chris Wagner. They're like, he's from Walpole. Like, everybody's excited about the fact that he's local from Walpole. And and he's good for the team because he arranged the Red Sox outing that they had. And But anyway, I, I love it. I love that he's here. I didn't understand it. I underrated the whole value of having him here. But, you know, here's the thing that I put to you before. So what is it? What's working for him? Is it home cooking? I, I genuinely think it's it's uh, I have a feeling this wouldn't work. This wouldn't work for all local players, obviously, you know, for for, for um, uh, you're going to have more Jimmy Hayes than you are Chris Wagner's. Yes. But what you have here, much like you had with Schaller, is a player who's playing, who's suddenly getting to, who, who's barely been in the NHL, really. Right. Just like clinging on to the clinging on to the edge of a, of a, of a, of a roster. Suddenly getting the trust of not just any team, but the team that they grew up watching, the team that all their friends and family are watching, mm-hmm. playing the kind of game that fan base adores, that all fan bases adore, let's face it. The fan favorites are either your superstars or your muckers. You see, part, of the thing with, you know, part of the thing with Jimmy Hayes is he was neither a star nor a mucker. He was just a guy. Yeah, he's just some guy, you know. Um, so, so, so what you have is he's able to feed, he much like Schaller is really able to feed off this. And because he's a local boy and because he's playing well enough and, the, and then the style that people grab, it allows, it, it lends itself to the media cult of personality that sports rosters love to give to local boys. So I think it's a matter of the kind of player he is that allows him to thrive in this situation. Okay. Again, maybe a star would thrive, but I don't think quite the same way because you don't get these personality cult, these fan personality cults around stars or around middle of the roster guys. You get them around your, you get them around your Tim Schaller and the Timmy Heads. You get them around Chris Wagner, male of Walpole. You get you get them around a, you, you get them around a Joe Thornton, you know, the gentleman pugilist. I like I like um I like the players that not everybody likes. I mean, I love our players. I love our star guys. Sure, you know. You're dumb not to. Why would you root against your team? Yeah. Any player of your team. I love Brandon Carlo because I love stay-at-home defensemen, and they don't get very much love. And when he does his job really well, which he's been doing really well. He's been playing the most minutes of anyone for the last several games. Yeah. Yeah. For a while, it would be like he'd peak above Chara, go down for a while, again, peak above Chara, but he's been sustained highest highest time on Isoblade. It's really easy to love Chara and McAvoy, right? It's harder to like anybody else down in the pairings. Although Matt Grislick's making it really easy to love Matt Grislick lately. Another local boy. Really local boy. And he's a local boy that the team put their faith into him and played the long game, right? Because he did all four years at BU. Mm-hmm. But that helped him. Yeah. You know, because he spent a little time down in the HL, but not much. Because the truth of the matter is, right about now, um, in terms of skill in all three zones, he might be... In aggregate, the best three-zone defenseman we have. Like, not the best in any one of them, but the highest ranked in all three zones. Okay. Like, yeah, so so if, if, if that makes any sense. I get what you're saying. You know, like, for example, Krug and McAvoy have some problems in their own zone. Grizz doesn't really. Car- you know, Carlo and Chara have some problems in the O zone at this point. And Grizz is great in transitions. So, yeah, but, like, again, he's down the roster. And- like, that's, uh, but he's also something only really hard, hardcore are going to pick up on, right? So that's... Uh, yeah. See some great jersey, you know that you you, you 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 know something about how intense they are, or they're from the town, right? And that game tying goal was awesome the other day. That was fantastic. Seeing him get that, it was a forty-eight game goal drought 
But man, just, it was a good one. Which is insane for someone that's been playing as well as he has all along, too. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We just don't get a lot of goals though coming from our defense. That is the one complaint. There are a lot of other teams that see a lot more actual goal scoring from their defense. But hey, I'm not going to sit here and complain about that. I'm I'm happy that other people are scoring on the team. I don't care, and they're finding ways to win. But basically. How did I put it? How did I put it? It was home cooking or what was the other thing? I don't even remember and I can't go back and find out. I, I just think it's a combination. Of, I just think it's the players he's playing with. I mean, for the fourth line guys, Crowley has 17 points. Wagner has 17 points. And Achari has eight. I mean, that's a lot of scoring from your fourth line. I think it's just, I just think it's the guys that he's playing with. I think they, I think they gel really well with just their styles. And it's fun to watch. Start your fourth line in a game and not be like worried to just start them right off the bat you know you're doing well oh yeah yeah i love it i love the fourth line i love that chris wagner is having a career year here and that's great that he's definitely earned his spot just like everybody else in that fourth line and it hasn't been an easy season in respect of you know people have been sat this year yeah and they tend to take that lesson to heart where it's like oh i got benched so i can watch what's going on, and then figure out how to incorporate that my play into that better. I'm glad. I'm really happy. That That's really interesting. It seems, I think that's underrated with Cassidy. It seems like any time, when you bench a player, it's really easy for the player to kind of get in their own head and be negative about it. It seems like whenever Cassidy benches a player, it's always taken as a positive, and the player learned something from it. it. I don't know. I haven't seen that many people. Maybe it's just the character of the guys, but I haven't seen them be that positive about stuff like that in a long time. I well, think it's probably the way that he frames it too. Like this is an opportunity for you to just take a look at the game and see how you can improve your play. You know, there's like some of Donato's comments on his way out. Sounded like he wasn't taking that properly. I did not see his outgoing comments. What uh, he'd say? Oh, I didn't have the trust, the, the trust of the um, uh, of the coaching staff. Blah blah blah. And he doesn't feel like he's being coached well. What have you? But like, you have to earn trust. Also, he came in with. I think he bought into his own hype, which is exactly what happened to Lu- to, to, to late Boston Lucic. I think it's really easy to say all sorts of flippant things when you've been coached by your dad for a long time. Again, I, I think he bought into his own hype. Yeah. And that's that's one of the dangers of being a local boy on this team. And why being a local boy with zero expectations like Chris Wagner is great. Because you can just, you know, bask in it, right? He only did a one-year deal, right? Wagner? Yeah. Is it one or no, two? We, we, two. So we have him again for next season for uh, for another buck and a quarter. Now, the two-year deal for Nordstrom, that one I don't understand. Okay, so Achari's up this year. Yes. And Corrales signed, right? Corrales is signed for two more seasons. At um, uh, 1.275. Based on that fourth line play, do you bring back Achari? I mean, you want to, but he's the he's the weakest link of the of, of the trio. Maybe you're expecting either Nordstrom to be on your be one of your fourth line wings next year. Maybe you're expecting Coolman to uh to to, to um uh, to grab one of them. My guess is the plan is to let Achari go. Oh. Same. I think I think Nordstrom sign having a t- another year left really makes it so that Achari is gone, which stinks because I don't want him to be gone. I really like his play. That's just what it seems like. 
yeah. me as well. So, so, so what you end up then is uh, that fourth line next year probably centered by Corrali back at center with Wagner and Nordstrom on his wings. Oh, I'm so less excited about that. On the other hand, maybe Nordstrom stay, stays a spare part and becomes Kuhlman, who I think is has a lot of Chari in his game, and it was, you know, there, there's some similarities in who they were when they were signed. Captains of the freshly minted um, uh, uh, NCAA champions. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because Kuhlman was Minnesota Duluth, right? But Char- Chari's local. I know. Keep the local boys! Keep them! I like it, Don Sweeney. Keep them. Anyway, okay. So, injuries was the other thing we wanted to talk about. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, Kevin Miller, he uh, had his MRI last week, I believe it was. And, well, he's downgraded to week to week. Basically, they're not really telling you anything about what is going on with his injury other than it's not as good as they want it to be. And maybe they're just being it safe. You know, he's John Moore's a better, he's a better defenseman than John Moore, but John Moore's doing well enough in his, in, in his absence that they can take their time. Yes, yes. Because you want Kevin Miller back in the roster come playoffs. Right. And incidentally, John Moore, for all of his warts, has looked pretty good during this recent stretch of having to play, which is good. It helps when the team's winning, but the fact is he is helping the team win, too. Yeah. It's <laughs> just one of those things where it's like when you have a guy who is on your opening day roster. I think he was on the opening day roster, wasn't he? He is your one of your top six defensemen, and he's out. And you'd want him to be back in time for the playoffs. So this is a bit of a bummer. Another bummer is David Posternock's injury. Apparently yesterday he was skating with a stick and doing uh, handling drills. No sh- no shooting yet. Because he is reportedly on target with his rehab. But it seems more like when they, they said, hey, he'll be back in time for the postseason or he should be back this season. They weren't joking. It, it's, it's taken a while. And again, the team's winning without him. So take your damn time. Uh, yeah, that's fine. We're doing this well now, and then you're going to add Pasternak back to that roster like fucking hell, right? Right. Maybe this team is playing better because Pasternak is not in there, and he was integral to the whole play of the team and success. And now it's like, they're just like, oh, fuck, we have to do it now. So let's do it. No more sitting on our hands. Let's do it. And then the last injury. Oh, no, there's two more injuries. Fuck. Want to finish with Mojo or do Mojo next? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Marcus Johansson. Ugh. That was the um. Uh, that was Tuesday's game. He got injured in, right? Yes. Yeah. So I got this. I saw the clips from the injury, and it's fuck. It looked like he was like. It looked like his shoulder was destroyed on the ice when that happened, right? Like the way his arm was hanging. Yeah. Let's let's preface this by saying it was a collision with Michael Furlan. It was near the boards, but not on the boards, and it was a good clean hit. It was shoulder yes. to shoulder. It. You can't complain about the hit. Okay, David Backus did fight Furlan after that because he felt like, I got to stand up for my guy. And fine, whatever. And Furlan actually got knocked out of the game, too, with an upper body injury. So I don't really know what his injury was. But I will say this. Marcus Johansson was knocked out of the game at that point. He has a lung contusion. So for those of you who are curious about that, you've probably looked it up. It's a bruise of the lung. And it makes it makes breathing and your capacity to carry oxygen more difficult. Fortunately, though, that can heal fairly quickly. It's not like what it looked like it could have been, which could have been, you know, a dislocated shoulder, a broken clavicle, a broken ribs, the way he couldn't move his arm. It was scary. Yep. Um, so all told, serious bullet dodged there. And they're saying, yeah. so saying maybe, they were saying a week, to one to two weeks, I think, sort of what they were saying when, he, when it was announced uh, what actually was wrong. 
so not bad. I mean, you want to get your new acquisition in the in the roster longer. He slid right in, and that was great. But you want him to get to get the rhythm of it more before that happens. Right. I'll be honest with you. I kind of forgot about the Marcus Johansson injury because he's only played like two games, maybe two and a half games or two and a quarter games. <laughs> I forgot about him. I forgot about him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. I- at least it was the best case scenario type thing with the lung contusion. I was reading this is fourth game. Okay. Sorry. I was reading some stuff and it said that generally like all signs of it are generally cleared up within like ten days. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like when it happens, it's terrible. And he was kept in uh in the hospital overnight for observation and they did and some tests. Something like that feel happened to you. You feel like you're dying right after it happens too. Oh yeah, yeah. It yeah. <laughs> You know when you get like a a lung infection, like a bronchitis or not bronchitis, but you 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 get a cold and you feel shitty and stuff like that. This is far worse than that. Well, think about getting is like getting your, your this the wind knocked out of you, except it stays out. Yes, because one of your lungs is now just for show, at least temporarily. <laughs> well, I mean, you can still use it. It's not like a punctured lung. Yeah, yeah, but my point is like. That, that feeling for that minute or so after you get the wind knocked out of you, it's that, but for hours. It's basically with <laughs> Yeah, it's certainly scary, but the prognosis is good. So it's it's fine. And I'm sorry, I forgot about him after four games. Ugh. How long have I been saying I'm ready for the playoffs? Do you think I'm counting these games anymore? I don't care. Just give me the playoffs. <laughs> Fair. And um, there's one last injury. Jake DeBrusque was rather suddenly held out of... He missed, did he miss Thursdays, too, or just yesterday's? Uh, Thursdays, yeah. That's when we found out about it. Yeah, so after having a killer game against Carolina, and playing the whole, ga- and playing the whole game, right, because it was his feed to Critchie that um, uh, scored the game winner against Carolina, right? Yes, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was that one, too. Like That was just a truly phenomenal bit of single-handed stick work there. Okay, uh, for, to start off the, the, the overtime period, they had two defensemen, and Krejci, and I was like, and then Krejci starts going down the ice, and I'm like, get another forward on the ice. So they send out Jake DeBrusque, who rushes out there, and and he goes behind the goal, and they're doing all sorts of stuff, and then boom, score. It was nice. Anyway, apparently he has um, an LBI of some sort from something crewed during that game that held him out of uh, Thursday's game against the Panthers and uh, yesterday's game against um, uh, against Ottawa. Not clear on what it is. He's day to day. He was apparently excited to wearing a high, wearing a walking boot at the game yesterday by uh, Emily Benjamin. But uh, doesn't necessarily mean tons. We've seen Bergie in, in walking boots and playing three days later plenty of times. So my thought is like it's more for stability than anything else. It's just more like you know he might have twisted something. He might have because that game was very exciting at the end and. Yeah, you never know. He could have taken a puck off of something during the game. He could have any number of things, but I, I, I'm not too worried about it. I just hate that he's missing the time. That's all. Yeah. If it were serious, he'd be. We'd be hearing about surgery and casts and whatnot, and he'd have to ride in a scooter. So all this stuff is good. He's he's gonna be fine. He needs a little time to to get unbanged up. I just wish that, like I said, Jake wasn't missing the time because I think he benefits by having the time on the ice. And and Krejci definitely benefits by having Jake on the ice. So as we saw on Tuesday, I do have a I do have a question with injuries because I decided to look this up because I wanted to see this for myself. Without looking at games played, could you name the only Bruins player to play in every single game this year? 
It's crazy. It's crazy. It is. It is. Isn't that crazy of all people? It's really crazy. It's really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> of all of all people. Now, not everyone's been injured, but Wagner got um, uh, a couple scratches here and there early on. Yeah. I think he's the only other player that hasn't been injured at all, and that's the only reason he's missed games. Because I think it's the only reason that's the only reason he's missed games. Everyone else is well. I don't know if John Moore was injured too. He hasn't just been healthy scratches. And Halak's dressed for every single game, but a bunch of those are backups, and they don't count them. Right. <laughs> right. Krejci is having a great year. He's not injured. He's doing really well on the ice. He's got good numbers, and that's great. That's what you want. I think he's performing at where he needs to perform. Right? I don't think he's overdoing it. I think I just think that Krejci's game is kind of hard to understand sometimes if you're just kind of looking on the surface. Well, we've been seeing that lately. He's been doing a lot of his real classic, just completely slowing down the game to nothing, right? Like, 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 like lately, particularly, he's been doing that a lot in noticeable ways, ways that hasn't been necessarily super noticeable in a long time. Man, that goal he had against Florida, where he just got it under the crossbar, was absolutely beautiful. Oh, he's absolutely feeling it right now, and that's great because, like, that means we potentially, as long as they get the winger situation settled down, or potentially going into the playoffs with playoff Krejci, that'd be pretty swell. Because mm-hmm. uh, when playoff Krejci shows up, the Bruins make a deep run. That's why it's. I'm sad that, that DeBrusque is out, because I think that DeBrusque definitely can benefit from working with Krejci more. Yes. It's silly to think that he would he would be just fine. He's still a young player, you know? Um, so Jake will come back. And he'll have his good relationship with Krejci and everything will be great. And I think they even spoke this week about their uh, the working relationship. At least Jake did. Krejci's a man of few words. Jake is more likely the guy you want to have in front of the camera. He'll have a career, definitely, after hockey. Well, you, 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 you can't sound that Canadian and not have a career in Canadian hockey media when you're done. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking that his dad is personable like that, too. So... Moss is that he's got the personality like you usually see in a in a fourth liner, but with top six talent, which is a nice thing to see because you don't see that. Okay, can I just say one thing? I predicted when Nolachari was going to be put back in the lineup with his bubble, which he's not wearing anymore. I'm sad it was such a short time because I love the bubble. Okay, ready? Or the fishbowl. I love it. I said before the game, my boy is going to score a goal tonight. And what did- Achari was nuts that night. <laughs> yeah, he scored. I was so happy and proud of him. And by the way, okay, guys, hear me out. You know how in the playoffs, you know, the team has an item that they hand off to the player of the game? It's got to be the fishbowl. It's got to be the fishbowl. <laughs> oh, it has to be. It Please pass the fishbowl. Let's start a campaign. Let's talk to Marshy. Marshy on his new Instagram account, who's being personable and stuff. And we'll talk about the the twitter war in a minute let's talk to marshy let's make it happen come on come on come on come on come on hashtag fishbowl hashtag <laughs> fishbowl i'm gonna make a suggestion to him on twitter because he said hey maybe we all should be wearing the fishbowl if, if, if it's make us makes us play like that yeah we should all wear it oh yeah i'm, I'm excited i'm excited i'm excited 
Um, I thought about now, that this morning, and I was like, yes, let's do it. Now, do you want the player that gets the fishbowl to have to wear it the next game, or do they just get the fishbowl like, and have it in their locker? Well, I, I don't know if you can legally, or within the game, have them do it, unless you can say, like, oh, that guy had dental surgery today. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> dental surgery. The doctor said you can't touch his nose. Wink. Bergie's too pretty. Wink. I mean, that one would probably be like, yeah, you have a good point. We haven't really understood why he wasn't protecting the goods already. Yeah. <laughs> Although his slightly broken nose and a little bit of and a little bit of cheek scar actually doesn't it doesn't doesn't good here. So. <laughs> Who Bergie? Oh, he's had his nose broken many times. But the point is, is the imperfect nose and the fa- and the scars on his cheek actually um uh, um add to his uh, to, to 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 the ruggedness of his handsomeness. I don't even notice the scar in his cheek. Oh, you know what I noticed this week? Justin Williams wears a, a shield that goes way lower than anybody oh, yeah. else's. Yeah. It looks like he's on Battle of the Planets. I swear to God. It's just so low. Like, if you take if you take a look at the picture, it's like, it's, I swear, it's like down in his mouth. Weird. It is weird. I didn't think that was regulation. But now I'm finding there is no real regulation on these things. They just want you to wear one. So maybe everybody can wear the fishbowl when they get it. It's the honorary thing. Yeah. Just clean it out, hand it on to the next guy. But Tuca can't wear it. Tuca can't wear the fishbowl. So no. you'd have to make special rules up, I guess. Okay, let's talk about Brad Marchand and Tori Krug on Twitter. <laughs> Their Twitter the Twitter chirping is just so wonderful. Oh, God. It apparently, it's been going on since about 2014. And this week, the Bruins.com had featured a story featuring the best tweets. Part of why... Of course, the reason it was topical this week because uh, Brad trolled the shit out of the Leafs and Leafs fans. Oh my God! They lost their minds. He's like, "Oh, this is collusion. How is it collusion? Brad's not even involved." <laughs> and Toronto media just lost their minds about it too because basically they 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 tried to say he was tampering and collusion and uh, what's the other thing? Driving up the market. That's what it was. And it's like Brad was just chirping. Yeah, it's just giving shit, and and so that became a whole thing. And then the greatness is Krug snaps back at him with his angry elf with, with the angry elf pills tweet. Yeah, don't mind my friend. Mar- and Marshy thought that was a good one, but then Marshy came back with the oh, I'm sorry I didn't respond. I was watching Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You were really good in this scene, and and you know he shows <laughs> the the cereal bowl scene, and you see it from far away, and then it gets a little closer, and then it's a, a close up of Krug looking like he's. Got his hands up in the air and stuff like that. Just an amazing Photoshop. Just absolutely fantastic. So either Brad's employing somebody to do this, or he's got mad Photoshop skills now. And then he promptly brings it over to his his Instagram as well. His Instagram is going to be a little more personal, he said. Shows some some of his family and stuff, and... And that's really sweet. And, and also still a place to sneak in chirps for, for Tori for Krug chirps, too. With the picture that made him look gigantic and Tori Krug look tiny and forlorn. <laughs> and when you want to play with the big kids. Yep. <laughs> my, my favorite tweet of the last, I don't know, few months was uh, basically when, when Brad congratulated Bergie on a thousand games. And Tori Krug says... He's like two seats behind you. Why don't you just tell him? And then Brad's like, but you're sitting right next to me. You could have just told me this. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I mean, it's delightful because I don't, you know, you don't, maybe it's happened, maybe other fan bases know about their own players that do this too, but you don't hear about this a lot in the NHL. It's not like the NBA where like players chirping each other on social media is like as much of the game as actually bouncing a ball around is now, right? <laughs> I still think my favorite one was recently was when Brad said that, hey, I'm going to be using Instagram more now. And then Tori was like, Oh look, you need followers because your center doesn't even like you or something like that. And it was a gif then, of uh, of Bergie going up to him and like slapping him on the visor because Brad did something <laughs> stupid, right? Yeah. And and then he's like, now it's personal because you you now you've crossed the line because you're bringing Bergie into it. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I had to tweet to Brad to tell him that we know that Bergie loves him. You know, this is nonsense. I'm on Team Brad, by the way. I am totally Team Brad on this. Oh, same here. A hundred percent. You're on Team Krug, uh, Krug, aren't you? You're Team Tori. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just here for, uh, I'm just here for the popcorn. Oh, okay. I just, I think that Brad's very witty and and clever and funny, so I love him. And then there was the West Coast road trip where uh, basically they were making fun of how e- how short each other. Uh, each of them are. Think about the, the two of them cheer for each other for being short, and they're both like five seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> five nine, no, five seven. Yeah, they're they're short. They're really short. So you know, uh, Brad's. Uh, I think it was Tori. Oh, I don't know who started it, but it was like an ice bucket that was filled with like soapy water. Your bath is ready. <laughs> that was Brad. That was Brad. And then Tori did something where he made like steps up to a chair. Or up to the bed, and I don't know what it said with it. Just in case you need help getting into bed. Oh yeah, that's what it was. And then Brad responded with a small blanket and a small pillow on the floor next to his bed, saying, "I've got a spot for you if you want to have a sleepover." Yeah, I had <laughs> them bring up a bed if you still want to have a sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> and it's tiny. It's so tiny. It was so good. <laughs> gotta let off some steam you gotta have a sense of humor to i think to be away from your family for so long to play with these guys for so much of the year and it's good to see and it makes it funny for us but i'm definitely team brad i am too anything else that we have going on just a quick just general feel just to how we feel on this team right now well, well for, for the sake of this discussion we'll assume beating toronto is a foregone conclusion even though it decidedly is not how do we feel about this team against Tampa, seeing as we played the first, finally played against them since we last recorded? Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Wow, that game. I mean, yes, Tampa was on its third in four, in, in four nights, but, like, Bruins had, what, three and fours a couple times during this run and have won them all, and, and have been doing well, right? So, Honestly, if as long as everyone's healthy, I really think it'll be a good series. I think it'll go six or seven games. I don't want to say which way it would go just because I don't want to jinx anything. But I think it would go six or seven games. And I think the Bruins' defense is abs- can be absolutely stifling. I mean, Tampa only had 12 shots the first two periods that entire game. And they ended up with like 20 on the night, I think, which really, to hold the Tampa Bay Lightning to 20 shots is absolutely insane in and of itself. And I think now in goals against... The Bruins are second only to the Islanders, and it's only a one-goal difference. I think the Islanders have given up 168, and the Bruins have only given up 169 goals on the year, which is absolutely insane. I need to see what they do with Toronto. 
I need to see how far you take a series uh, with Toronto. If you can do it short and sweet as compared to the long seven game slog, then I'll have a better idea of what they could do with Tampa. I really bought in last year. I was very excited. And in a lot of ways, this team doesn't seem that different to me, except they went, they're hotter later. And there's more swagger with the heat, I think. Well, I'm not feeling that. But we also have established many times now that I just want the playoffs. And I feel like this is cruel. Just give me the playoffs now, damn it. So I feel like I, I just need to see. I need to see what's going to happen. I, I know they can win a series against Toronto. I don't know what they can do about Tampa. I've only seen two games. And the two games I've seen, one was terrible, one was fantastic. And we've got two more games, one ending the season. So mm -hmm. I'm cautiously optimistic, but that's where I need to be right now. Okay. I will say, in the event Bruins beat both Toronto and Tampa, they are totally winning the fucking cup. Wow. You know, if I renewed my vows this year, they'd probably win the cup. Because they won the cup the year I got married, so. I'm, um, well, there you go. She, you and Glenn need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, this has been a joke that's been going on for years. How did you forget this? We've talked about this so many times. Sorry. But, like, but seriously, anyway, though, yeah. If they get through both those first two rounds... They would be the favorite going the rest of the way, I think. Well, if we if we think that the what's coming out of the West is the Sharks. But so Vegas and Sharks are going to, you know... Oh, no, Vegas and Calgary, I guess, right now are the are, are the first round there. Vegas and, and Sharks have to play each other. And Vegas, Calgary, and Sharks are the other three good best teams in the league, and they have to play each other in the first two rounds as well. This playoff, this playoff format is fucking awful. It is, because your best matchups are early, and it sucks. It's like the two divisions with the three best, with the six best teams are going to mow each other, are going to devour each other before they it gets meaningful games. Yeah, so I I don't like it either. I I didn't understand it for a long time, but now I understand, and I just don't like it. So I'm going to make a prediction. I think the Sharks are coming out of the West somehow, some way. I think that's what's coming out, and I think that the Bruins can manhandle them if the Bruins can get there. That's all. That's what I'm going to say because they did it twice. They did it twice this season. I mean, the one game, they didn't manhandle them, but they, they stuck it out and won. The other one, they manhandled them. So. And uh, as of right now, anyway, as of this moment, first round for the Metro is Washington versus Pittsburgh. Yay! So one of them's going off the, one of them's off the board right away. Fantastic. I almost don't even care which one it is, but I hope it's Washington. Yes, because I like yeah. the Bruins against, 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 against Pittsburgh. It's the correct answer. Yes. Yes, that, that's the exact correct answer. That's what you're supposed to say. Good yeah. job. I know you're smart enough to know that. Not everybody is, though. So, ready? Bruins fans, repeat after me. The Bruins play the, the Penguins better. Yes. I am really jazzed for the playoffs. I just, I'm having a hard time focusing on this last month. Yeah, we just got another, like, four weeks of regular season play. Oh, my God. The slog. The struggle is real. 15 games. Uh, 15 games between now and April 6th. Uh, yeah, they're they're if nothing else, they have they should end regular season like eh, now-ish. I'd say would probably be the good point to do it. 70 games ish. Yes, playoffs. Good long now. season, long enough to get a lot of the noise out. But like, no matter how good the teams play, those last three weeks are always are always an absolute grind, right? Mm, 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 mm. And speaking of grinds, here's how the first week and a half of that's going to go. Oh, boy. Look at that segue. 
So, Bruins play start off a three-game road trip today, March 10th, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Eastern Daylight, not standard, folks. Uh, against against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Boo! Boo. All on Tuesday. That's March 12th at 7 p.m. in Columbus. Hey, we get to see old friend Adam McQuaid. And the Columbus Senators. Oh. <laughs> Tonight's game, by the way, is on NBC, SN, PDQ, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I, no, no, I can't deal. I, I, I can't deal with Doc Emmerich calling a Penns game. Yes, I can't deal with it either. And I, I hope that at least they put Doc, uh, uh, Brian Boucher in there to temper the pain. But it'll be Pierre and it'll suck. Okay, anyway. Yeah, so Thursday. What's Thursday? Thursday is 8 p.m. Eastern Time in Winnipeg. Out! And follow that up on Saturday the 16th. It's a home game against Columbus, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Oh, good God, they're playing at home on the day before St. Patrick's Day. Barf, green jerseys, yuck, yuck, yuck. Fuck that noise. Don't pay for those people. Come on, stop that. Stop this nonsense. Stop buying them so they stop doing them. The St. Patrick's Day warm-up jerseys every year that just look so awful. You're telling Boston, you know, the, the, um, which is like. I know where you're going with this and that's exactly why I'm telling them not to. (laughs) It's like the third Dublin because I think the second Dublin is New York City. And if you've been to the the St. Patty Day Parade there or after events there, um, it's freaking nuts. So, yeah, Uh, you're telling Boston to to not be Irish and, 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 and celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Good luck with that. I didn't say not be Irish and not sell fake St. Patrick's Day. Just don't like make that jersey, please. But that's part of doing it for the Bruins. Come on, man. I just want to say too, with the schedule though, beyond St. Patrick's Day, the last fifteen games are kind of harsh. They still they have to play Pittsburgh. They play Columbus three times. They play the Islanders. And they play Tampa Bay twice. What a last 15 games. I think there's strength of schedule. I was looking at this uh, on either NHL.com or ESPN.com. Their strength of schedule is .595, which is actually high in comparison to a lot of other teams. I think they're like, they have the 21st or 22nd. um, No, but they they only have two two two-day breaks between now and the end of the month. 17th and 18th, and the 28th and 29th. Why don't they call this March Madness? <laughs> it's absolute fucking March lunacy is what it is. Yeah, so they only, of course, have only had one two-day break in the last week as well. So they only had three two-day breaks in the entire month. Yep, this is the life of a hockey player. And you're telling me that, you know, earlier in the season, you know, how like we'd have like a five day break between games. And it's I mean, like, on the other hand, given how the team was playing that, I'm glad they didn't have a lot of games. Mm, true, 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 true. Oh, well, this is why baseball, they've ex- like baseball has more games. They have 162 games in their regular season. But like the season now starts like the first week of March so that they can add more off days throughout the season. So I, rather than shortening it, they I would added say more just play yeah, I would just say play a 68 game season and call it a day. For baseball or hockey? Hockey. Okay. 68 games possibly over the same amount of time though. Yeah. Open up the schedule. Don't just shorten it, but open it up by playing less games in the same time period. I I got to tell you the um 
game one day, one day off and game and the next day after that, like, you know, one day off between games is, is a slog that I don't like to do as a viewer. I can't imagine what it's like as a hockey player. You don't get a lot of family time. You don't get a lot of anything in that. Oh, well, that's just it, right? I mean, they just play, they just played their third game in, in um, uh, five days and they're playing again and they're playing another game today. And then only have a day off with travel. Oh, and out of the last 15 games, 10 of them were on the road. Well, seven of those 10 are in their next, um, uh, are in the next eight games, right? So they close, right. close with a fair bit of home. But still, well, man. Say, but no, really, they don't. They close uh, with another three-game road trip, followed by one game at home. Okay. Yeah, at yeah. Detroit, at Columbus, and at Minnesota at the end of March, beginning of April. But they play at home to end the season. But they also Tampa. play four more home games at all. <laughs> I know. Well, the, hey, schedulers, that's their that's their thing. What can I do about it? Nothing. This is true. Anyway, so uh, I think we've about covered it. I think so. Okay. Listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Rate us a couple stars, write a review, tell your friends, send smoke signals, I don't know, but spread the spread the news. You can, of course, reach out to us on Twitter. That would be at Barely on Topic. Or Facebook at Barely on Topic Podcast. And, of course, at our individual Twitter accounts, I am, of course, at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at TeamBrad.com. Also known as at VA from RI. No uh, Matt Barkowski's taint this week. (laughs) 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 And on that note, Tim... Word.